If anyone is in Christ, that is just, uh, that is a key verse for anyone to understand. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I have problems with ministries that constantly point people back to the past condition of their life. Ministries that tell an alcoholic, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. It goes against the very word of God that says, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The Bible doesn't tell us that if anyone is in Christ, though he is the old person, he has a future new body. No, we are a new creation. It's not that you have been reformed. It's that you have been restored, that you are brand new. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Well, if anyone is in Christ, verses 16 and 17, I love these two verses. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we no longer know him thus. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If anyone is in Christ, that is just, uh, that is a key verse for anyone to understand. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I have problems with ministries that constantly point people back to the past condition of their life. Ministries that tell an alcoholic, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. It goes against the very word of God that says, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The Bible doesn't tell us that if anyone is in Christ, though he is the old person, he has a future new body. No, we are a new creation. It's not that you have been reformed. It's that you have been restored, that you are brand new. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one to the flesh, he said of verse 15. And so it talks about this uniqueness, the incarnation, a compound Greek word that means in flesh. The uniqueness, first of all, of Jesus Christ, that he is both fully God and fully man, These two verses kind of tied together, but we do see Christ in the flesh. And I I did it in our notes. I said Christ according to the flesh because it actually said that. 
It did not say Christ according to the Spirit, but I want you to see it in this sense, that if you know of Christ, we first learn of Christ according to the flesh. One of the foundational principles concerning Jesus is his incarnation, that the eternal word of God appearing in human form, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, according to John 1.14, as a representative of humanity, most importantly, that Jesus came in the flesh to live and that to die as a man. As the Bible tells us in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed for men to die once and after this, the judgment. However, the judgment that Jesus faced was not his own, but ours. Hebrews 9.28 reminds us that Christ suffered once to bear the sins of many. So in his humanity, Jesus died. He was buried just like the rest of us. Well, one day we're here listening. That hasn't happened to us yet. But one day we'll die. One day we'll be buried. He came the first time as a representative of all humanity. And like Paul, when we first learn of Jesus, we often discover the Jesus according to the flesh. Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth who was baptized in the Jordan River, ministered in Jerusalem, Judea, and the Galilee, who was put to death upon the cross and buried in a grave. When we first learn about Jesus, we often learn about the fleshly life, the work of Jesus Christ. And part of the gospel story is the humanity of Christ, learning about his birth, his ministry, and his death. Acknowledging that Jesus' humanity is part of our journey of faith, but only part of it. For though we have obtained the knowledge of Jesus who came according to the flesh, when it speaks about a person coming to faith, they no longer are able to view Jesus merely as someone coming in the flesh. There is also the spiritual side as well. In John 6, 63, it tells us, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit. They are life. So Christ according to the spirit. Verse 17, he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But first, let's think about Christ according to the spirit. The incarnation that he was both fully human. We talked about that of Jesus being born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, ministering in Judea and Jerusalem and the Galilee, put to death on the cross, buried in a grave. But he's also fully God, the Jesus who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin, who the Spirit descended upon and remained throughout his earthly ministry, who was baptized there in the Jordan River, who was victorious there in the wilderness temptation, who was able to heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, who turned water into wine, who walked on water, who rebuked the winds and the waves, who fed multitudes and even spent time with the little children. This is he who bore the sins of our world upon the cross. He set the captives free from Hades. He rose victoriously from the grave. He ascended to the right hand of the Father and he makes intercession for us to this day. Yes, we believe in Jesus who came, the incarnation, fully man, but also fully God. In church life, 
This message of the gospel hinges upon the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our faith is futile, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 17. He said, if Jesus did not raise from the grave, you'd still be in your sins. To learn of these truths is one thing. It's like that blanket and you're cold, but the blanket is over there and you're just... Don't want to get up and get it. You know that there's warmth if you get it. You know that it's waiting for you if you just get that covering, that hilasmas, the covering. Jesus is there. He's ready. He's willing. But you have to receive the covering. It's only through Jesus Christ that our sins can be forgiven and that we are saved. Well, in church life, we do have this here at Calvary Chapel, a come-as-you-are attitude. But once you come to Christ, you're not to stay in the same condition that you were found. Faith is more than something people believe in, because in this world, many people believe in many different things. Faith is about a transformation that takes place because of Jesus Christ. We have been washed. We have been sanctified. We have been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ who becomes that covering for our sins. And thus we discover that we are then new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Jesus said in John 3, 3 to Nicodemus, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Faith is about a new birth that comes through Jesus Christ. But we are new creations. We are his workmanship, according to Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If your knowledge of Jesus Christ is merely of the historical Jesus, then you are without true salvation. It needs to be more than that. It's only through believing and receiving the Jesus of the incarnation, he who is both fully man and fully God, is there transformational power to change our lives and free us from our sins. We close out in verses 18 through 21, a word of reconciliation. In verse 18, he says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us, to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. A word of reconciliation. The Godhead's ministry of reconciliation. First, it is God who has created all things, but he himself reconciled us back to himself through the work of Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection. To be reconciled, it denotes a change, actually an exchange. That Pastor Mark Drennenberg, 
when he was here on Wednesdays uh, several summers ago, he was, actually I believe it is what I'm thinking about, and maybe we'll put it back up again for Christmas when we had What Does Christmas Mean to You? When Mark Drennenberg did that recording for us, he talked about the great exchange, the great exchange. To be reconciled, it's actually a word that it means to change or to exchange. Change from enmity to friendship, to be reconciled with God. We go from a place of being an enemy of God to that of a friend of God, being saved of God. Mark called it the great exchange. And there's a lot that we can feed into that great exchange, all that God has done for us. But God has accomplished these things through his grace, through the sending of his son who has become that sacrifice for our sins. From beginning and end, God was, he is involved in the work of redemption of humanity. Romans 5.8 tells us, but God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The instrument of his redemption was, it still is to this day, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. In Romans 5.10, it tells us that if we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? Of course. If when we were enemies that Christ died for us, now that we have received Christ, we shall be saved. David understood this in Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. He understood the great blessing of the forgiveness that comes from God. He said, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, in whom the Spirit and there is no deceit. Blessed is the man whose transgression has been forgiven. That's the work of Jesus Christ. He reconciles us. Jesus Christ has the ministry of reconciliation. We come to faith in Jesus Christ. We have been reconciled with God. Therefore, Paul says, because we have been reconciled with God, then we too have been given that ministry of reconciliation. We have been given a ministry. We share Christ with others. I love Romans ten fifteen. It asks the question, first of all, how shall they hear without a preacher? That's verse 14. In ten fifteen, it says, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? For it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation from God's perspective. It makes our feet beautiful. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. God loves to send those who will proclaim his word to others. Like the prophets and the priests of the Old Testament, the apostles, the preachers, the teachers of the New Testament. Paul's beautiful feet quote from Romans 10:15. It actually comes from Isaiah 52:7, where Isaiah referred to the privilege of the opportunity to speak the good news of salvation 
to those who are returning from the Babylonian captivity. Paul grabs onto that verse. He ties it to that of the beauty of being able to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to others, that they might be saved. I have to tell you, there's nothing more beautiful than to be sharing with someone and you see the light go on. You see that they actually get it. You see belief start to take place. Oh, that's a beautiful thing to behold. If you want to have beautiful feet, you must be willing to carry the gospel of peace through the ministry of reconciliation to those who need the Lord's salvation. Believers then are ambassadors of Christ in verses 20 and 21. Paul said, we are ambassadors for Christ as though we were pleading, God pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I have read that verse a number of times this week. And every time I read it, I picture my dad in the pulpit at the close of a message saying, I beg you to receive Jesus Christ. I beg you to come forward. Uh, That pleading, he would often use that word, beg. I beg you to come. He pleaded for the salvation of lost souls. I think in churches today, we need more preachers who are willing to plead the case of salvation. Many of our churches today, it's more about a feel-good message that leads them void of salvation. We need more men like my dad who is willing to beg, to plead for Christ. I hope I qualify in that as well. Paul himself, as a, his missionary team, they saw themselves as ambassadors for Christ. As if God were pleading through them, they implored the Corinthians in behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. And why should they be reconciled to God? It's because God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is because the work of Jesus upon the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. Don't ever get tired of hearing that. It is because Jesus died, that he was buried, that he rose again, that we are able to be reconciled with God. Romans 8 verses 3 and 4 tells us, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on the account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. God did it. What we could not do. He did through his son, Jesus. It's Jesus who paid the debt of our sin through his death upon the cross, through his sacrifice though it must be applied upon every single life. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you don't call, you won't be saved. You can know about the historic Jesus, but you need to know about the Jesus of the incarnation, who is fully God and fully man. It's because of the work of Jesus upon the cross that we are saved. And the only way that we might become the righteousness of God 
is through faith in Jesus Christ. We are new creations. According to 2 Corinthians 5, verses 12 through 21, as new creations, we have been given an opportunity to boast. And boasting about Jesus, it may seem strange to this world, but to like-minded believers, it will seem as if, yeah, you got it. You're of sound mind. I get that. I understand that. It should be that the love of Christ should compel us. That we are to allow the love of Christ, which has saved us also to compel us to live for him. That if anyone is in Christ, and only through believing and receiving the Jesus of the incarnation, he who is both fully man and fully God, is there transformational power to change our lives, that we might be saved, that then as believers, we've been given the word of reconciliation as if God is pleading through us. And the only way that we have become reconciled, become the righteousness of God, it comes through faith in Jesus Christ. It is my hope that you have been reconciled with God. I'll just take a page from my dad. If not, I beg you, to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. He is the only hope in this hopeless world. Here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, we have a motto that says, Believe, receive, grow, and go. The believe refers to belief in God. In Hebrews eleven six, it tells us, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For those who come to God must believe that He is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. First and foremost, to come to Jesus Christ, you have to believe that there is a God. Once you believe, you have to receive the gift of God, Jesus Christ. Romans 5.17 tells us, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Secondly, you have to receive Jesus as your Savior. Third, as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to grow in our faith. We need to be ready to give a boast. We need to know what we believe, that we're able to give it a defense. That's why Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. But it's not just about believing, not just about receiving, not just about growing in our faith. It's also about going. We are, we learn today, ambassadors of Jesus Christ. An ambassador is one who is sent forth. Jesus Christ has sent us forth. We are to go. He commissioned us in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. He said, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. And Jesus said, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. He sends us forth, but he goes with us as we go. That's a good deal. And so today, if you would want to receive Christ, if you're here, I'm going to lead us in a, a prayer here in a moment for a radio station, for 
our Facebook audience as well. You can contact us at cclv at comcast.net. We would love to hear from you. If you're here, you can talk to me afterwards. But Father, we close out this message. Beautiful passage of Scripture. For Christians, Lord, there is so much truth for us to grab onto. But for those, Lord, who have never received you as Savior, they have heard that you have are the propitiation, that covering for our sins. And yet they have not yet received you that the covering could be upon their lives. And so today, Lord, I pray for those who may be hearing my voice, maybe even now here in this church on the radio, through Facebook, maybe listening at a later time. Lord, they desire that covering to be upon them. I pray, Lord, that your spirit now would work that they would cry out to you in life-saving faith, that they would confess their sin, and that they would say that, Lord, I believe and I receive that I might grow and go. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Amen.